Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is 1 Peter 2, 13-25. Suffering always stinks, am I right? I mean, who likes suffering? And there's an extent to which that sentiment is true. After all, we will spend, because of Christ and His grace, eternity in a place where there is no more suffering. So in that way, suffering is something that will be done away with. But suffering always stinks might actually represent an overly simplistic mindset, especially when it comes to the times in which we are living in. What if there are times where suffering, and particularly how it is handled, actually smells good? That's not the exact wording of our text today, but consider a couple verses like this. Verse 19 of 1 Peter 2. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. And then in the next verse, but if you do good and suffer for it, but if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Those statements really need to push all of us because our impulse, which is first of our flesh, is that suffering is is bad and injustice is bad. And that's where there's an extent to which, like I said, those statements are true, but we want to avoid suffering at all costs. And then when you throw in the fact that we are uh, the product of a modern Western world, right? We have some ideas, some of which are fair, that there should be justice in society. There should be justice in the workplace. And many of those viewpoints actually can have a scriptural basis. But Look at these verses again. It's a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. I want you to think about how counter flesh and counter cultural those words are. It is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Our flesh says, no. I don't want to endure sorrows. I'm going to pursue happiness. And and even isn't that what our culture would say? And and suffering unjustly? No, I'm never going to allow myself to suffer unjustly. I'm going to fight for my rights. And again, look at the verse. It's a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. So I, I just want us to all understand, as we look at this passage, we need to put some of our feelings that just come from our flesh to the side. We even need to put some of our cultural values to the side for a moment to hear what God is saying in his word, because th- this is an important thing. And he goes ultimately to the example of Christ. It, that whole idea, if it's, well, hey, there's but we should always fight back against injustice and we should never endure suffering. If you apply that to all situations, guess what? There's no hope for you and there's no hope for me because if Jesus thought that way, you wouldn't be saved 
and I wouldn't be saved. If Jesus thought that way, he would have called down thousands of angels and put an end to the whole charade and injustice that went on with his crucifixion. So we need to consider what this passage is saying to us. And we need to make it our goal first and foremost to honor God and really to reflect Christ to those around us. There's two main subjects in our passage today. First is the relationship to government and then the relationship of servants to masters. So even that we don't have, while some of this could apply, I think really does apply to kind of a modern workplace scenario, it's still not a one-for-one comparison to the relationships of slaves and masters in the times of the Bible. But there are still principles that we can apply. Those are the two main subjects. And I think for context, um, not just to take these subjects in isolation, if you go back to what we read yesterday, and especially verse 12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. I think there's a sense in which these thoughts are flowing out of that one. Hey, you need to keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. How are you going to do that? Well, by submitting to the government and by submitting to your masters. That, that's the application there. So the broader picture is I want to have my life be an example to the world around me. So I'm going to submit to the governing authorities and I'm going to submit to my master so that even if there's persecution and even if there's negative things that they're trying to say against me in the name of Christ, well, they can't say I'm just insubordinate, uh, whether it's to my master or to the government. And then as you look at these, I do think, especially as Americans and, uh, and based on our system of government, we instantly think of exceptions to this. Uh, I mean, we, th- we think of biblical exceptions to this because we would say, well, Peter himself is the one who famously said we need to obey God rather than man, which is absolutely true. If there is a conflict between what our governing authority is telling us and what God is telling us, we are going to side with God. And we, we know Peter affirms that. Also, we would look at a passage like this and say, well, there also might not be a, a one-for-one comparison here because we don't have an emperor. He's telling them to submit to the emperor, and that, that's not the system of government that really any of us are living under. So we might make exceptions through there as well. But what I want us to do is know Peter doesn't talk about the exceptions. Peter doesn't say, hey, be subject uh, to the Lord's sake, uh, to every human institution, except for when they tell you to disobey God. He doesn't say that in this text. I think the broader picture of his life helps us see that. I think him even saying fear God helps us to see that, but he's not going into the exceptions. So I'm not going to go into the exceptions anymore either, because we need to not, we need to make sure this would be my concern. My concern is that we would just exception these passages completely away to basically where they don't mean anything. And that's where I'm saying, no, they mean something. And we need to say, I want to understand what God's word is saying, and I want to apply it to my life. 
it starts just by saying, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. So there you see that sentiment again. We are trying to live in an honorable way in this world. And so we are going to be respectful and obedient citizens wherever we are living so that we can silence the ignorance of foolish people. Because there are people out there that are just trying to be a law to themselves and rejecting all kinds of authority. And that's where Christians need to be. No, that's not the kind of people that we are. We are submissive people, whether that's in the home, children's to parents, whether that's in society, whether that's in the workplace, Christians should be known as submissive people. Christians should not be known as troublemakers. And that's where if they want to call us troublemakers because we're going to follow Christ, well, okay. But they should have no leg to stand on calling us troublemakers in general. That's the idea. We put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. If people want to act like Christians are troublemakers, it should be very easy to show that's foolish and that's ignorant to say. And I think there's ways you see that even today where where they'll call you, well, you're a bigot if you're a Christian or you're a racist if you're a Christian. And you can say that's ignorant and foolish to say because I am clearly not living my life those ways. And if there's some, uh, you know, worldly way that they're trying to paint that picture, well, we can show how foolish and how ignorant that is because look at our lives. We are doing what God tells us and we are being submissive. And he goes on to say, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil. That's a, that's a good word for us, even in America, that we would not use our freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. And, and you can see here that the honor that's given to God. We are to fear God. We are to live as servants of God, but we are also to honor everyone, to love the brotherhood. And even it says, honor the emperor. We should seek to give honor to our leaders. We should seek to obey what the laws of the land are. We are not to be rebellious people, not in society and also not in the workplace. Again, not a perfect one-for-one comparison to slaves and masters and employees and employers. But look at what it says here. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. And it goes on to say, well, if you sin and are beaten for it, there's no honor in that. But if you do good and are and suffer for that, that's a gracious thing in the sight of God. And it says, verse 21, for to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He did not revile in return, even though he was perfect. And and Jesus is the ultimate example. When I read passages like this, I think of uh, the stories we often hear from Christians who live in uh, countries where persecution has been more of the rule of the day. When you have a government that is very anti-God and Christians are beaten or put in prison. And I think 
when you read stories about Christians in places like that, I think you see the same kind of example. They are being unfairly treated. They are being, um, I mean, they, it's just injustice is what, what it is. It is not right, but they are enduring it and even being gracious in it. They're living out the instruction of Jesus to love your enemies and to pray for those who persecute you. And I think even when you look at those stories, you do see, ah, this actually is a, there is a beauty to this. And of course, there is a beauty in the gospel. And I love verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. I love this verse for a couple reasons. One, um, because it's one of these clear reminders that Jesus dying on the cross was more than just about forgiveness. He died so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. He wants us to live a totally new life as a result of what he has done for us on the cross. But the context of this verse also reminds us of his example by his wounds. And you need to remember those were unjust wounds. You have been healed and you've been returned to the shepherd because he bore injustice. So we need to consider the countercultural and against our flesh ramifications of the truth that we see in this passage. And it'd be good for you today to consider what are the ways that you need to apply this? There may be a boss that you have that is just not a pleasure to work for. And if you're being honest, he is not fair. And even they do things that are unjust and you may suffer because of that. Just realize God thinks it's beautiful when you endure that with with a godly attitude. And again, you you should never compromise on your conscience or uh, do anything you think would dishonor God. But you should seek in every way possible to submit to the people that God has put over you. Maybe there's just an interpersonal situation where someone has treated you unfairly and you simply need to say, okay, and I'm going to pray for this person. I'm going to love this person and I'm going to treat them with a grace that they don't deserve at all. Because look at the grace that Jesus showed me. This is a radical way of thinking that should affect the way that we live. Someday we will live in a world where suffering does not exist. But now in a world where suffering does exist, when we handle it in this kind of way, it actually smells good to God. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.